Well, it is a great blessing to be here this morning. My wife and I, uh, Elizabeth, uh, we drove up this morning, beautiful drive, great sunshine, and, you know, we come to this uh, beautiful building. And it's amazing as we're looking around and we're just like, wow, this is such a, a beautiful, big place. And it's even got a school, so they're, they're teaching these young people the wonderful things of God. And then we got to meet some of you, and we have only met a, a few of you so far. But then I got to re- see the real beauty of this church, and that is in all of you. You know, that's what really makes up a church, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to move a little bit, so um, I'm going to even step down so the camera guys are going to have to follow me a little bit. But... Um, See, I'm moving slow, so it gives them a chance to correct. But I wanted to share with you um, just about this afternoon a little bit, um, Church Ministries Institute. It's about pulling together our resources. That's simply what this is all about. We have many, many resources that God has given our church body as a whole, the Seventh-day Adventist Church and the Wisconsin Conference. And because of that, we're like, well, why are we all trying to do it all separately? Let's pull it all together. And so we pulled it all together so that we could be here in Green Bay later on this afternoon at 2.30 to be able to share with all of you. Now, there are many things that maybe you are going to connect with or things that you are really passionate about or maybe something that you're interested in. It gives you the opportunity to come and to be able to just explore what God is doing in your life and maybe even in this church. Maybe something that has really sparked your interest. That's why we have pulled this together, calling it Church Ministries Institute, because we want to just pull together the resources that God has given us and say, Lord, help us to unleash the potential that we have in each of us and in the churches. And so that's why we're here, and that's why we're wanting to pull this together. So I invite you, do come out. You won't want to miss it. It will be transformational as we come together. And even our uh, Wisconsin president, Mike Edge, he will be there as well, sharing a little message to get us started as we meet at 2.30 this afternoon. So you won't want to miss that. But before we even get to that stuff later on this afternoon, we got right now. And before we do uh, get into the roots, I want to take a moment to have a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads. Gracious Father, I pray for your outpouring of your Holy Spirit to be in this place. But Father, not to just swing around the walls, and to, but to, to really, Father, to come into our hearts. We invite your Holy Spirit to be with us, to share with us this morning. So Father and God, we are looking for that inspiration. We are looking for that passion, and we are awaiting the good news that you have to share with us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, getting to the roots is really what it's all about. Seven years ago, I was working in physical therapy, and I was working with a particular patient. Susan had come in for low back pain. Now, low back pain is a very general diagnosis that can mean a lot of things, and uh, it could envelop a lot of different aspects. So we had worked with her, and we started getting her uh, feeling better and recovering and on the right road. But one day, she came into my office, or into the office, and she said, John, I got really bad pain today, and it's going down into my leg. And I says, well, what would be the reason for that, Susan? She's like, I don't know. I just got up, and there it was. And I was like, well, that's really strange. She goes, I know. That's why I'm here talking to you. I just don't get it. And I was like, wow, really? It just kind of came on you. And she's like, yeah, I just could hardly move this morning. And so we spent some more time. I said, come on back, and let's go in the room, and let's take a look. And so I began to ask her more questions, open questions that help her to kind of explore. What have you been up to the last few days? What's been going on in your life? And as she was sharing with me, she says, well, 
I was feeling better. And as I was feeling better, one of the things I love to do is I love to garden. And I said, oh, really? I said, oh, man. And it was springtime, and it was a great time to start, um, you know, planting and kind of pulling some things together, especially tulips and things like that. And, and she had spent some quality time just making her garden look beautiful. But in the process, it made her muscles work a little extra that they weren't used to. And so because of that, it caused her low back pain. But see, without taking the time to do that self-discovery, I could have just treated her low back pain. I could have just said, oh, you got low back pain? Maybe try some heat and some massage and some other things, but that wouldn't have treated the problem. We had to get to the root. And we, with ourselves and with the churches, have to do the same thing. See, sometimes we focus so much on the fruit that we forget to focus on what's most important, and that is the roots that produce the fruit. That's where we need to focus because that's when we can begin to really unleash what God has in store, not just for you, but for this church. And not just this church, but you know what? For this whole community of which this church is in, where you are all in. Now, God has shared with us, praise the Lord, that in the word, he has given us uh, hope of where we can turn to understand How can we get to the roots? What's the roots of what we need to get to? And we find that in the book of John, chapter 15. Turn there with me in John, chapter 15. Now, some of you know on John, chapter 15, it's a very common verse that's used, especially talking about from verse 1 to verse 8, but talking about the true vine and talking about that there was a greater ministry and that God was wanting to incorporate many into his kingdom And as he was sharing that, he comes into verse 7 that I wanted to focus in on. In verse 7, it says here, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be what? Done for you. Isn't that great? If you, if you do what? If you abide in me. And as you abide in me, my words will abide in you. See, it's more than just studying and reading about God. It's about allowing that reading, that studying, and that exploration of the Lord to transform you. Without that transformation, that next part will not happen. And my words abide in you. It's not just knowledge. It's about really allowing the word of God to totally change you, flip you upside down if you have to. That's when God comes alive. That's when we come alive. When God first came alive in our hearts and we decided to accept Jesus Christ in our lives, most of you probably remember that day like it was yesterday. To remember what was happening in your lives, the things you gave up, and you didn't care what you had to give up. And yes, maybe some things were challenging, but you wanted everything that the Lord had to give. You wanted all of that um, love and connection and peace and all those things that really brought you into his loving arms. That's what happens here. That's what's going on here. And you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Why not? Because if you're having that transformation in the heart, what's happening? Your will is becoming his will. Do you see the intimacy growing on there? You can almost do a marriage retreat just on this text alone, because in essence, that's the same concepts going on there. But the verse isn't over, is it? We go on to chapter or verse 8 as well, and it says, By this my Father is what? Glorified. Praise the Lord that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Did you catch the first part though? By this my Father is glorified. 
by me accepting Jesus Christ, by me spending time with the Lord and letting that, that time just transform me and mold me into the man, into the woman, into the child that God wants me to be, what happens? Just by doing that alone, it glorifies the Father. It shows to other the wonderful things of the Lord. It helps to diffuse some of the things that Satan are throwing out there to try to confuse people, that God truly isn't as loving as he says he is, that his people are really a people that are ambassadors for Jesus to share the good news of his love and grace and his want and desire to have you and to have you and to have everyone part of his kingdom. Isn't that a blessing to be able to be a part of sharing that good news? I get excited just thinking about that God gives me the privilege to share my journey with someone else, and it gives God glory, and in the process, it could transform a life at the same time. God is good, amen? But as we do that, and as God gets glorified, it says, you bear much fruit. Oh, that is great. That as I just ask the Lord to come into my life and I spend time, quality time with him, he will cause that natural growth to take place. It doesn't say I have to go through all these hoops. It doesn't say I have to jump through all these obstacles. It says as a result of abiding in Jesus, that fruit will naturally take place. Well, if that can happen to me as an individual, could it happen as a church? Well, why not, right? Because the church is made up of people. And if each person is being transformed and abiding in Christ, then the whole church can be transformed and that natural growth can take place just as much as in you, it can happen as a church as a whole. That makes work a lot easier. But we don't call ministry work, do we? We call it the joy that it is to share Jesus. That's what ministry is all about. I want to share with you a, a little quote here we find in Ellen G. White um, writings, The Testimonies to the Church, Volume 6. If you catch it there, as you look at it there on the screen, it says, so that we will be living, growing, fruit-bearing trees of the Lord's planting. Now, I love the, th- the three adjectives being shared there, living, growing, and fruit-bearing, but I love the last part, of the Lord's planting. This is the Lord's church, and you are the Lord's as well, and God will do great things if we give him a chance. Do you believe that? God can do mighty things, things that would blow your mind if we give him a chance to really rule in our lives, to give us a chance to allow his will to be done. He can do things that we never thought possible. I'm living proof of that, and my wife could attest to that as well, because we never thought we would be in this kind of position as a pastor, let alone in Wisconsin, never thought that was possible, never thought that was even, it wasn't even a thought way back then, but God has because we've just allowed God to to abide in our hearts, as we read in John 15. This quote comes from um, where she was sharing about evangelism. She was sharing about the evangelism work, and there's actually a little more to it there on page 85 I wanted to share with you, and I wrote down, because I thought it was really good as well. It says, all should work to the utmost of their ability to strengthen the church. Man, that gives us purpose, doesn't it? We are to encourage, equip, empower one another to strengthen the church and make meetings so full of life that outsiders will be attracted. You know, I think Ellen White was on to something. We have to ask ourselves, am I attracted to this church? 
Am I attracted to the environment? Do I come because I know I can be accepted? I come because I know I can feel that my skills or my talents or my gifts that God has given me can be put to use? Do I come because I know I can see this atmosphere creating opportunities for people to really grow the way God wants them to? Because that's what God has called us to based on what we've read so far. It's amazing what the Lord can do. And we find that in everything, there's always some characteristics. I mean, what do we know? How, what do, we, how do we move forward to achieve uh, this kind of quality in our church? Well, we know that there are characteristics of all churches. Just like everybody has certain characteristics, every church has characteristics, and you can see them on the screen as well. But, you know, really, it's not those nouns. It's not those characteristics that are important. What's important is the quality of those nouns, of those characteristics. It's empowering leadership. It's gift-based ministry. I guess I should get ahead of myself or get the screen ahead, caught up with me. I'm getting too quick, huh? But it's really about those adjectives. It's really powerful to see when we can see those powerful adjectives unleashed. We, We can create that atmosphere to allow them to flourish. Man, there's exciting things that God can do, amen? I mean, really exciting things that can happen when those things begin to be unleashed. And it's amazing to me when you think about it, early on when Jesus came, that wasn't the reality that he came to. He came to some struggles, some challenges, and sometimes we we go through those, but he came into direct opposition to what he was originally trying to share with the church, to be this vibrant community of which would share the good news and be an example to others to how to find the things that we're searching for, which is peace, strength, courage, comfort, support, all these things that the world looks for, relationships, connections. The church community was to be that resource. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15 shares with us some of the struggles that was going on when Jesus had come here on earth. The scribes and the Pharisees were the church leaders, the the ones to be the guides to kind of set people on the right track. And while they were there, it says, who were in Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. There in 15 verse 1 and 2. So he's like, well, wait a minute. Why are your, your disciples doing things that don't fit with what we have set up? We have set up certain, per, you know, certain parameters, certain boundaries, and they're not following what they're supposed to. It's not about being clean. You know, make sure your hands are clean. Like my mom would always tell me when I was a kid, you know, wash your hands and make sure you're clean for supper. It's not talking about that. It's saying, hey, we have certain things that we've set up. Your tie is not situated the right way. Your pants, legs, you know, they need to be a little longer because they're not quite long enough. That's the kind of attitude that they were sharing to the disciples. They go, why aren't they following the things that we have put in place? And Jesus goes on to share with them uh, a little bit stronger to grab their attention. But let's go on here to verse, um, well, verse 7. He says, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, so he's saying he goes back to the foundations, something they should all know and understood well. He goes back to the Bible and says, let me share with you something that I think you guys missed. So he goes back here in verse eight. It says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are where? Their hearts are far from me. These are scribes and Pharisees. 
they could probably squash most of us when it comes to Bible knowledge. They know the Bible well. But what were they missing? They're missing the heart. They were missing that second part we read in John 15. You abide in me, my word will abide in you. But it's not talking about just building knowledge. It's talking about letting the word of God transform you. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you to begin to unleash what you have learned. To put in practice the things that God's asking you to do. That's what's happening here. But they totally lost it. Their hearts were totally in another place. What does it say there in verse 9? It says, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, to me this would seem like a pretty, pretty rough slap in the face. When my life has been all committed, all my life, to worshiping and honoring God and someone to come on the, you know, or even in physical therapy, someone comes to me and I've been trying to do all this stuff and they're just saying, man, you don't have a clue of what you're doing. You're going to feel great, right? I mean, you're going to feel like, man, I feel so wonderful that you shared that great news. All my life has been devoted to this and I've been going strong. And man, he comes in and says, I have lost it completely. I don't, I'm not even doing any good. If anything, I'm just all about myself. That's harsh. I mean, isn't that harsh? That ought to be a huge blow. Now, some of us might be softened by that going, oh man, I need to do something different. Maybe I need to evaluate, reflect on my life. Others would say, well, I'll show you. And unfortunately, I would like to say that some of those leaders softened their hearts and came back to God and said, hey, maybe I need to restudy things. Instead, they hardened their hearts and they drew further away from God, saying, you know what? I don't think we're going to follow the guidance that you're giving me, Lord. I'm going to do it my way because my way, guess what? My way is better. That's what they were saying. My way is better than your way. Sometimes even by doing nothing, we can kind of say the same thing. My way is better than your way. But is it? It's not, is it? God's way is amazing. It's a challenge at times. But God doesn't want us to be dormant. He doesn't want us to stay in one place. He wants us to be like a beautiful flower that's blossoming. You ever seen a flower that blossoms? It's amazing what it can do, isn't it? We're going to look at that here in just a few minutes. But I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of doing this. Sometimes we're talked about Jewish leaders, but sometimes in churches we can sometimes get caught up in wanting to do certain things our way. We get caught up kind of push and pull and tug everything. We go, this has got to happen and that's got to happen. So we end up doing this. And then what happens after a little while, we get so tired of doing all this pushing and pulling out of our own efforts that when we say, why even go to church to begin with? Why do I keep doing this for when I'm not getting anywhere? But I ask, are we trying to push our agenda or are we trying to follow what God's trying to do, not only in you, but to the church? Instead, we need to be releasing and developing the potential that God has himself put into this church so that we can release the all-by-itself growth. That's what needs to happen. There is many resources right here in this very community, some which we might connect with very easily, others we just don't understand how they could think that way. But yet God brought them here. They didn't bring themselves. You didn't bring them either. God did. 
God might have used you to help bring them to this church, but God has brought them to this church. And because God has brought them, there's a reason. Sometimes that reason challenges us and pushes us. Sometimes that, challenge, or that, that opportunity creates possibilities. But it's all in how we look at it, isn't it? It's all in how we look at it. I wanted to share with you this um, picture here. You won't, you'll see some things a little bit better because the screen's a little dark. But you see the flowers there? You see them kind of blossoming? See, growth is beautiful if we give it a chance. And I'm not talking about the growth of this church. I'm talking about the growth within your heart. Each one of you are a different flower that's on that screen blossoming there. Each one of us are a beautiful creation of God, and we forget that sometimes. And because we're that beautiful creation, God has great plans for you. And when you bring that here, when you bring that praise and that joy because of what God's doing in here, you make this a true house of worship. That's the beauty of being in God. And when we read the, the key text today, Mark chapter 4, 26 through 29, see that farmer, he did what he could. He created a, the best atmosphere he could, but then he planted the seed. And from there he said, God, you do the rest. I don't know how you do it, but you do amazing things. But you know what? It's you who does it. It is not me, but it is you. And I let you do your work and I will do mine. But God will continue to work with his people. Amen? In Matthew chapter 15 again, go to verse 13. Matthew 15, verse 13. Back there in Matthew 15, verse 13, it says, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be what? See, in John 15, it shares a very similar concept. It talks about that God will do some pruning. I don't like pruning too much. I didn't like it in actually pruning trees. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to go and prune trees. I had a friend of mine invited me over to play volleyball one day. They had a, a huge farm. And I thought, oh, man, I, I was young. I was a city kid. I grew up in Los Angeles. So I was a city kid, didn't know anything about farming. And uh, they invited me out. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. We're going to have good times, wake up, we'll play volleyball all day. But they didn't tell me that their dad had another agenda that I didn't know of. And that was, he says, you know what, everybody, before you guys can play volleyball, um, see all these trees out here, these orange trees and other apple trees and stuff? We got to prune those trees. <laughs> and I was like, what? Prune? What's that? And I, I found out. I did find out. And about a half hour before sundown, when we finished, um, we got to play a little bit of volleyball. But you know, the pruning needs to take place. And God has pruned me in a lot of ways, and he continues to do so. Do I like it? No. I don't think any of us likes pruning. Being told of our faults, being revealed by the Holy Spirit, saying, you know what, the Holy Spirit shares with me, John, you got an issue there you need to deal with. You got an issue, and you know where to give it to. You know where to turn with it. You got some challenges, John, before you, but you know what, I'll give you the strength. But you're going to have to go through the challenge to grow. See, we forget that at any plant, it doesn't just become fruit. We don't go from one place of you plant to see the next thing you know, I've got an orange. It's a process, right? And in through that process, there's sometimes there's good moments and then there's some tough moments. But each one of those can define us. Each one can help us achieve where God wants us to be and where God wa- who God wants us to be. If we allow 
ourselves to abide in God and let him work with us and transform us and work with us and molding us. That's the beauty. That's when I can find sunshine when everything's falling apart. My grandmother passed away last week. It was a surprise to all of us. And when she did, you know, it, it was, she was my grandma. I mean, she, she was my only really grandma. And uh, it, it was just really hard and rough. And I don't even, I wasn't planned to even share this today, but I have hope. I always used to look at people and go, how could you even have sunshine on your face having something like that happen to you? How could you even find any kind of joy? And there's a process, don't get me wrong, there's a process to grief. But you know what gets me through? It's my love of Jesus. It's my love of allowing, abiding with him and him reminding me of the hope I have in him. He's the one who gives me sunshine. This world needs that sunshine, let me tell you. I'm a pastor in Milwaukee, and uh, I'm sure it's everywhere, but this world needs that sunshine. And you know what? It's not just outside these walls, but it's right here in this church too. We need that sunshine, and that's what we're all here for. That's the beauty of the church, is that as we all come together, we all have something to share and to bring and to help in creating this environment to be the, oh, I couldn't even put it into words but to be amazing. And that's not even good enough because we're talking about what God can do. But God can truly help this church to be amazing as we go to the roots of abiding in him and letting him transform us. But has God given us a plan that will help to show us how and where we can become? I think here in Isaiah 61, 11, it says... For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will do what? Cause righteousness, which is holiness, which is helping us um, grow into the characters of God. But then not only that, what else will it do? Oh, I don't think we caught it. I should have made that a little bolder. What will it cause us to do? Praise Praise God. Amen. I mean, we got to say with some, I mean, some extra emphasis. I mean, praise God. We get to come here because we get to see what God's doing. We get to say, how could you take a wretch like me, Lord, and do anything with me at all? Make me to be anything positive. How could you take a wretch like me and be able to help people come to Christ? To see you. My life's a mess. But God, you take something that really sometimes I'm going like, what could I do for any good? And you make it blossom and bloom. You read the book of Philippians, you'll see that all over the place where he talks about how our past can be used for the Lord's good. So no matter where you feel you are right now, God's got a purpose for you. And as God's got a purpose for you, he's got plans for you and for this church. God will take you far and wide as we allow him to work with us, to allow him to mold us. As we continue on, I want you to understand another little concept which helps us pull all of this together. Because see, Matthew chapter 10 shares with us something that we sort of understand, but we really don't see it. And it's found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. I'm going to have it here on the screen for you. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, he shares with us this probably verse you've heard a lot. Now here it says, he, will, he who has found his life will do what? But then he who loses his life, what? Make any sense? It's clear as mud, right? Clear as mud. So wait a minute. If I 
lose, no, wait, if I, yeah, if I find my life, I lose it. Does that, do you see that every day? I mean, if I lose $20 and I find $20, did I lose anything? I actually gained, didn't I? Um, If I lose my car keys, which sometimes is often, if I find them or someone finds them and gives them to me, have I lost anything? No, I haven't. Well, then this does not make any sense. How can I find something and yet lose? Hmm. I wonder what that's about. Well, let's look at it this way. A little diagram for you. So he who finds his life will do what? What does that produce? Produces loss, right? So he who finds his life, it produces loss. And what we call that is self-denial. Now with Christ, this is a good thing, amen? Because we're meaning like, Lord, not my way, but your way. Not what I want, but what you want. When I began to to see for myself, the Lord revealed to me, he goes, you know, this woman you're dating, John, you need to, you need to move forward. You got to stop being the player and you got you to gotta move forward to accept this, this woman into your life because this is the woman I have for you. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know if I'm willing to give up being the, the player. And some of you might know what that means, but it means, you know, I'm you know, keeping my options open. I was young and, and uh, I remember her telling her that, um, um, anyway, that's another story. But um, she, I spent time with the Lord. I had accepted the Lord, and, and I said, Lord, I want this not to be just any kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm going to marry this woman. I want to really understand what it means. And I came to this text and other ones, but this helped me to truly understand what it would mean to give myself to this woman, to accept her for who she is. And I began to learn that self-denial was essential in our relationship as much as it was essential in mine and God's relationship. I need to give of myself. And when I give up myself to God, what happens as a result? What's the last second part? What does it stimulate? As we lose it, we find it. And what is that finding? It's called in Christ, it's called self-fulfillment. How many of us are looking for purpose? Trying to go, Lord, what am I to do? What could I do in the church? What, how could I be of it? any good, uh, where do I fit? Well, God's telling us here that when we give to him, when we give our all to him, he will help us find that self-fulfillment. Now, I've given you about three texts that have said almost all the same thing, but in different ways. Because they're all saying, if you abide in me and you let me transform you, what happens? That's you losing, giving up of yourself, saying you're his will be done, you begin to find self-fulfillment in your life. You begin to find that in this church there's self-fulfillment and you guys are achieving the potential that God sees for this community. It's amazing what God can do so that we can stop doing this and we can start to do something so much different. A church had began this journey and when they began this journey, the red is 2009, the blue is 2010. They decided to say, Christ, your will be done, your way be done, and we just want to see and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. And when they did, their numbers, don't worry about the numbers, just look at the bars. But that ES right there at the bottom, that's effective structures. And they found that they started working on that, saying, Lord, help us to to grow this area. And they began to do the self-discovery like Susan did. 
I helped her, guiding her through, through discovering that it was her gardening that was irritating her back pain, which helped me to more effectively treat her problem because I could get to the root of the issue, which was tight uh, back muscles and, and, and a few other things. And after that, when they had done this exploration for about 12 to 18 months, look what happens. Some of their numbers grow by 30 points because they began to say, Jesus, we want you to unleash the potential. We want to see that all by itself growth. We just, we're going to create the best atmosphere we can with the resources you have given us. This was a small church, about 20 people or so. With the resources you have given us, we're going to do our best to create the best atmosphere. And when they allowed God to work in them and thus in the church, it was great, the growth that they were seeing. Did they grow by huge numbers? Not right off the bat. But it had been about four years, and now they had about nine visitors coming. That was huge for them. For four years, they didn't have much of any kind of transition or growth. But now they started to have nine visitors, and actually a few of them are going to be baptized here in a few months or just in another month. So God can do great things, but it happens in each one of you. And when it does, and we can see the resources and the power that God has, it starts looking a lot like this. And I want to be on that, don't you? I don't want to be on the other one. I want to be on this one. But did you realize in that wagon what they had? They had all that they needed right there in that wagon the whole time. The whole time that we've been sitting here, God has what we need. If we just tune in and say, Lord, help me to see what you have given us, to give in me and help me to be a part of the solution. Help me to be a part of what you're doing. Because when I'm a part of it, it is exciting. Let me tell you. It is exciting what God can do in all of us, but we have to make a choice. We have to say, God, I give my life to you. Do you want to be that individual to say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. Not just accepting you, but allowing you to really guide me in what you want to do. If you want to make that choice, I invite you to stand with me. To stand up and say, Jesus, it's your way. I want you to guide me in my life. I want you to help me be a part of whatever you're going to do with this church. I want to be a part of the excitement. I want to be a part of even the challenge because through that challenge, we're going to come out even brighter. Every tree goes through different processes of blossoming. And this garden here is going to blossom as we let God lead us. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, you see the people standing here today. You see those that have said, Lord God, we want to abide in you, but not just growing just in knowledge, but letting that knowledge transform us. Father God, we want that energy of the Holy Spirit to be guiding us like a gushing wind, pulling this church wherever you're wanting it to go. So that, Father, that all by itself, growth and potential can just be unleashed like a wildfire. Father God, we know this can happen. We look to the book of Acts and see time and time again the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we're praying for that latter rain to happen right here, right now. And you have seen the people standing up for you. You see the people that are saying, hey, Lord God, here I am. Use me. So, Father God, this church is ready. It is ready to receive. And so, Lord God, I pray a blessing upon everyone here today. I pray a blessing that you continue to do that mighty work that this community is saying, Lord, we are ready. So, Lord God, bless us as we take this 
commitment here today as we take hold of it and say, Jesus, thank you for letting me be a part of your kingdom and a part of your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Precious Father, we thank you, Lord, and how you're filling us up. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. And Lord God, as we leave this place, may what we have learned from your Holy Spirit, Lord, may that continue to inspire and motivate us as we go forth in this day and in this week. Jesus, we love you and thank you. May you bless everyone here today as they go their separate ways. And I look forward to seeing some all here this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.